0: And obviously, she didn't know who we were or anything like that. And uh, we get out there. I mean, a couple hours from Managua there, and we come up to the school and gnarly uh, meet her, and she's like, just this absolutely gracious host. And I just remember touring her facility that her and her husband are running the school there, and just like, just being in awe of what they've built. Um, or with you know with christ uh and just the excellence in education but so much more than that to all these kids you could just see that this was a place that really lifted jesus up uh and not just education and it just it was just an, i just remember being amazed like what they're doing there and so all that to be said we're excited to have you here to hear your story your calling uh and how we can be involved so thank you thank you brent good morning What an honor to be here. It's so nice to be in the land of fried chicken, mashed potatoes, incredible cheese varieties, fry pies, amazing views, but most of all, hardworking, Jesus-loving, mission-minded people. Our family has been in awe to get to know of his body here in this sector of Ohio. I can't tell you how impressed we've been with what God is doing in your lives. The way the church here is working and doing and dreaming of serving everywhere they can. Everywhere I go, I see churches. There's VBS at this church, VBS at the other. There are ministries to reach out to children you have services where you have the one and two year olds here with you and they make a little noise, but you say, I want to bring them because I want my children to grow up in Christ. You have a vision to form the next generation to follow Jesus. And I want to tell you how special that is because sometimes teaching Sunday school takes a lot of effort. Doing VBS, oh my. With all the setups and all the songs and all the learning the different things and the crafts, and whew, it's a lot of resources and a lot of time. You end up with the week and you're like, okay, BBS is over. But you know, at the end of the day, children's ministry is so precious and so important in the heart of Christ. I want to tell you a story about some people that went down to Nicaragua many, many years ago. I don't know them. But these people said, "Let's go do missions in Nicaragua." And they prepped songs, and they went down like many mission teams do, just willing hearts. And they went down and they taught children and they taught them songs, just like you do. I loved having the kids up here singing. And the fun part was my kids were singing along with them because they were at VBS at Christian Life Mennonite the other last this last week, so it was really fun. Um. But they taught these kids songs, and they did their work probably a week or two and left and thought, did we actually do anything? I, I imagine they just were like, okay, we taught some songs, we did some activities, went home, okay, experience done. One of these little boys that was in that group kind of became a rebellious kid. Uh, he was the black sheep of the family. And he became quite a partier. And so when he was around 17 years old one day, he's all dressed up on his way to this party. And he's walking and he hears this song from his childhood. And you know when you hear something from when you're a kid, you're like, oh, that reminds me of when I was a kid. And so he stopped in front of this church where he heard that song that these missionaries had taught him so many years ago. I have a little bit of time. I'm a little early to this party. Maybe I'll just walk in and listen. And he took the time and he sat at the back of the church. And he heard the first song. And he listened to the second one. And he listened to the third. And he stayed for the message. And that pastor explained how he was created by Christ, by God with so much love, How sin um, leads to death. But how Jesus offers salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And how he could be saved. And that day, that young man went forward and gave his life to Jesus. Because someone taught him a song and took the time to do that. Well, that young man very soon became a youth leader and a pastor in Nicaragua. And then he got married. That young man is my dad. The Lord then led my family up to the United States, and my dad was a missionary in Washington State, planting Hispanic churches, five different Hispanic churches in Washington State in the Yakima Valley. Because someone invested. The interesting thing is that while my dad came to the U.S. to try to do all these, someone invited him to start these churches. My mother, my two brothers, and I were in Guatemala, living in... Horrible conditions. We lived in a, in one room with fifteen other people that were all trying to get to the U.S., sleeping on the floor. And someone said, went around and said, "Hey, we have like a BBS. We have a children's program." And they went around looking for kids. My mom was anxious, I'm sure, to get us to go anywhere. That was nice, and um, so obviously she wanted to take us to church. So I remember this big church we walked into. I was seven years old, and I sat three-quarters of the way to the back. And someone once again said, you were created by God with a purpose. Sin is, um, is, is going to take you to, to die eternally, but Jesus Christ offers eternal life through his son. Does anyone want to go to heaven here, want to give their life to Jesus? And from that back of the church, I was like, <laughs> got right up here. And then a young girl, probably 14, 15 years old, took part of us girls to sit outside and explained clearly the message and then said, you know, there are people who share this amazing message every day. That's what they do as a job. They go around the world and they talk about this great savior, this great message. They're called missionaries. And that little seven-year-old girl said, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And that never left my heart because someone decided to invest in children's ministries. Many years later, as I grew up in Washington State, I got to go to elementary, high school, college. A really fun um, thing to share with you today is as I went to college, um, as a teacher, you do your your student teaching, right? You go do your practice with someone, uh, your master teacher I had a wonderful master teacher, and um, just a couple of days ago, I found out that she was living in Ohio, and we happened to be here visiting, and we got connected, and she made it out today to join us, and so I'm so thankful, how amazing that we could find her here. Um, people that have a heart to, to step out of where they are and go serve. And the interesting thing is, as I was um, over going to college, someone said, hey, in 1998, there was a hurricane in Nicaragua, or Central America, Hurricane Mitch, and it caused great devastation. But as many of you guys probably know, in the midst of devastation, God does amazing things. He takes ashes and makes diamonds. He does great things. And... With this hurricane in 1998, people went down to serve and do. I'm amazed because what I've seen in the American church has been people that are thinking, how can we do? How can we go? There's a need. What do we do about it? I see it over and over in so many of you. And so uh, my father at that time said, my country's in trouble. I can't just sit here. So he invited a group of people to go down to Nicaragua and help rebuild homes. They went one year, and then they went the next. They started doing medical missions, and I got to go and join them one of those years and translate. I thought, ah, Nicaragua, that's as need to go back. But I want to be a missionary, and missionaries go to places that are not, that are places exciting. You know, I wanted to go to Afghanistan, somewhere, like, dangerous or somewhere exciting, and You know, I soon realized missions is not about personal adventure. It's about where God wants you. So I went to Nicaragua, did the translation, got back to the States, kept going to school. But there was a church that was planted there. And the pastor said, there isn't a school nearby for the kids in this area. And one of the people on that trip said, we should build that school. So they purchased a piece of property sold their home and got a much smaller one so they could invest that into building a school. They built a building, and then we're like, now what do we do? There's a building. How do we get this started? So they met with my dad. They were in his living room and having this meeting. Okay, we need to find someone who can go down to Nicaragua to get our school started. I was not invited to this meeting. But I happened to walk by their living room when they were meeting and say, Oh, hi, guys. Oh, hi, Narnie. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Oh, so you're in college, right? Actually, I graduated. Would you go be the director of our school in Nicaragua? <laughs> I had a whole three months of teaching experience. I mean, I was ready. God can call you when you don't feel you're ready, right? God can call you when you feel you don't have the skills. But all you have to be is willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. A month and a half later, I was in Nicaragua. A little house was rented, some furniture put into it, and they said, okay, go, start the school. It was a hard experience. Though I'm from Nicaragua, I grew up here. So I felt as foreign as any of you would have felt. Except for I looked like everybody. So if I messed up, people thought, what's wrong with her? Instead of like, oh, she's a foreigner. You're forgiving to foreigners. Not so much to people that look like me down in Nicaragua. So it was quite an experience. But you know, um, God does something great. Great. When we are connected to the vine, when we abide in the Lord, right? He is the vine and we are the branches. Fruit will, be, will, will come as we abide in Christ. And God has been doing a work down in Nicaragua. I want to tell you more about it, but I want to tell you about how the church invested in my life in different ways. I had been part of mission trips before. Today, I enjoyed watching... How old, how old is the little girl was playing the piano over here? Fifteen. I love that. And the children come up here. You are finding ways to include kids. Because as I did some research, the Barna Group says that, or said a few years ago, that 59% of our kids that grow up in the church, once they head off, they, they leave our homes at 18 years old. of them leave the church as well. And that's heartbreaking. That's so heartbreaking. And so we can talk about what are all the reasons why maybe this 59% has left. But let's think about the 41% that stays. What are the things that are being done right? And this is what I found. First of all, it's people... The kids that stay are ones that people in the church have invested to have a relationship with them that are not their parent. That means that it's so important for you to bring your kids here to church, but also look for another kid to spend time with. I remember some Sundays after church, I would have somebody from the... Our, our, our dad had a Hispanic church inside of the building where there was an, an English-speaking church. And so what would happen is we would go to a Spanish-speaking church in, earlier, and then my brothers and I would stay for the English portion. And some people would say, hey, Abner, Bernie, Gnarly, want to go to lunch with us? And would take us out and would invest time in us. I had to go, I remember, on a mission trip once. And this lady's like, do you have clothes to go on that mission trip? I was like, well, no. I'll take you shopping. She took me shopping and bought me all my clothes for the mission trip I needed to go on. Someone said, hey, you want to come out and paint my deck? I must have done such a horrible mess because I try to paint now, and I paint horribly. I can't imagine what I did to their deck when I was 15. But they allowed me to do it so I could raise funds to go on a mission trip. The church invested in me. It was not my parents' church. It was my church. So people... Young people that have other adults that are part of their lives feel connected to the church. Another thing, apart from those meaningful relationships, is when in the church we teach kids cultural discernment. When we don't hide them like a bubble, but we say, hey, look at the world. This is what Christ says about this. This is what the Bible says. Let's learn enough so that our kids are trained. They know what the Word says. They know what does God say about these difficult conversations that are happening out in the world. So that when they step out and go to college and they hear things, they know how to answer. They know what they believe. It's not just a bunch of things that they they heard in Sunday school over and over again. It becomes a personal conviction. So we have those tough conversations. They're hard to have. But we need to speak truths into the lives of our young people over and over again. A third thing that's found in these young people that stay in church are those that they use their skills and their giftings in the church. The Bible says in First Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, faith, in faith, and in purity. If we don't believe that they can, if we don't give them a chance to serve, they'll never show us. We need to believe our young people can do it. So many people are like, oh, teenagers, oh, youth group, oh, they're so these kids, they're this or they're that, and yeah, they are, they're immature, but they're also capable of so many great things. Somebody could have said, ah, I know she plays the piano, I know she sings, but she's young. Fifteen, having her up there, I think we should. No, you believed that a young person can do this. You put young people to serve, and you believe that God, the Holy Spirit is as much in them as he is in us, right? So allowing our young people to serve is so important. Let's push our kids so that they say, "I." people in my church love me and care about me. People in my church teach me to discern the world. And people in my church believe in me enough to give me opportunities. They take me on a mission trip. They put me in charge of something. And if I mess up, they have grace. They, they, they are able to explain what I did wrong and give me another opportunity. Just as Christ gives us constant opportunities. If it wasn't for that, I would not be in missions. And number four, make sure that our young people have real relationships with Jesus. They know how to read the Bibles. They learn to pray. They find s- moments. I think one of the best moments in my life are when I see, when I go and I, I see my daughter has um, a list of the verses she's doing her devotionals in the morning. She puts her alarm clock at 5, 5.30 in the morning to spend time in the Word. And that's so much better than her being on the honor roll, Right? the day I remember hearing my, my, my second daughter say, Mom, I was looking outside the window as you're driving, and look at that beautiful image outside of the clouds. I just think how neat it would be if Jesus was up there saying, Come, I would want to run. Wouldn't it be great if God says to you, Well done, good and faithful one. And I thought, That's what you're thinking about back there? Whew best moments, right? Having your kids know and love Jesus. Our youngest recently came up to us and said, Mom, Dad, I want to get baptized. And so when you hear your kids wanting to know Jesus, I think nothing is better. Nothing is, is, is more important because those will Be those kids that will continue in church. They are already part of Christ's church. They don't belong to their parents' church. They belong to their church. And so, coming back to what I I get to do in Nicaragua, not just me. So I went down to Nicaragua single, but a year later, God gave me a wonderful husband. His name is Julio. He's back over there, and um, I had prayed. I had made a list. God, this is how I want my husband to be. I did. I even put an extra box. I said, This is what is necessary. These are extras. You know, things like I want him to play an instrument. He owned instruments, but he didn't really play them. But eh, it was an extra, you know. Different things like that. But I wanted someone who knew the Lord, loved the Lord, because that's what we do. When we love the Lord, we want someone beside us who loves him and who's willing to go and serve. And so God gave me my husband. And then later on, give us three children. And we get to serve in this school. We got to start it from nothing. And when you see what God has done, you can definitely say it's the glory goes to the Lord. Because he took young people who didn't know what they were doing. Who hired other people who didn't know what they were doing. And yet he's doing great things. So let me tell you about that a little bit. Um, One of the things I really believe is is, that. A math thing, right? Education plus the gospel equals transformation. We get to have a school where every day kids walk into the classroom and we start with prayer. And after that, every single lesson that is taught is taught with a biblical worldview. We tell the kids that they need to put on the lenses of the Bible. Okay, let's look at math. And we put on the lenses of the Bible and we say, oh, there's order in it. Just like our God is a God of order. He sets things in a special way and we can see God through math. And then we go to language arts and we see, oh, writing, reading, speaking. God spoke and created all of this beautiful world through spoken word. And through his written word we can find so much life. And we can then put all that into, all that we have to talk about, the verbs and the nouns and all those other things, but how God created, the fall has damaged, but Christ restores. And then how there's a hope for the future. Out of our, At our school, I, when I went down there, I thought, we're doing missions, we got to go and evangelize. Let's share the gospel. So I don't want kids in here that are from Homes that are Christians, because those kids already know about Jesus. I want to focus on kids that don't know the Lord. But God very soon spoke to me, clearly. said, gnarly, first of all, to the family of faith. We need to equip our young people, the ones that are sitting right next to you. We want them to have all the tools. So not just, it's not just us trying to share the gospel. We have all these arrows going forward, um, sharing the gospel all over the place. And so I said, oh, I'm supposed to bring in the children of those that are families that are trying to raise their kids in, their, in, in, in Jesus, in the gospel. Because, you know, here in the United States, we have a huge advantage. And that is that the church has done a great job for so many years that there is great investment In children's ministries, in youth ministries, there are books, there are conferences. There's so much on parenting, right? If you want to be a good parent and you want to search, you'll find. You talk to someone, hey, how are you doing this in parenting? How do I stop my kids from fighting? What are you doing? You know, how how do you deal with this? And if you look, there are podcasts, there are radio programs, there are videos. The Bible bookstores, to me, are like candy shops. You're like, wow. There is so much that you can get. But back in Nicaragua, the parents that have their kids in our school, many of them can't read or can do basic reading. They don't have the finances to eat more than rice and beans every day, so much less are they going to go out and buy a book or go to a conference. They don't know how to talk to their kids about difficult topics. I've called them parents and said, hey, this is going on with your kid. I'm worried. They're like, what do I do? I have no idea. I don't know where to go. And so as I've been thinking, now that I'm a mom of a 14, an 11, a 9-year-old, I think we need to come not just beside kids, but beside families that are trying to do this work. And so we um, are working next to them. Not taking away the parents' responsibility, but coming beside them and saying, how can we train these kids to know the Lord? I have a mother like that. Her name is Fanny. Fanny's husband is not a believer. He sells rice and beans out in the market. Sometimes he sells and sometimes he doesn't. And he says, "Ah, just send the kids to the public school. Why would you want them in a a private school? Our school is a private Christian school. And though we receive donations from here, we have almost 400 students. Only about 130 of them are sponsored. So we have to cover a large part of the cost in country. So a school that costs $45 a month, which I know no private school here costs $45 a month. But $45 a month, and we feed them every day, and they have great classes, great teachers, um, a low number of students. Um, which is in the public schools in Nicaragua, we have fifty to sixty students in one classroom at our school they have twenty six to thirty at the most um, but we go and and, and this th- th- these parents are paying from twenty two dollars down to about eight, and a few kids that don 't pay anything because they are in dire situations, but we want them to invest you know we don 't want people down in our countries waiting for Oh, all the wealthy Americans to send everything down. No, we can do our part. But we can't do $45 a month. That's when people come beside us and sponsor a kid that helps us cover the cost of the school so we can invest in these kids. And so this mom, like Fanny, says, I want my kids in this school. She has four. And the regular tuition costs 22 I mean, there's no way. They barely have enough to eat. But she... Is part of our Moms United in Prayer group. They come and meet every day to pray for their kids and our school. And I said, Well, you want your kids here? Let's make it happen. Someone is donating from the US. How about you come and help out in the school? So every day, she was just diagnosed with osteoporosis, I think, or something in her bones. She's got back pain. She's got a husband that says, Nah, don't invest. But she's got a faith in Christ and believes her kids should know the Lord and grow up knowing Christ. And so she comes every single morning at 6.45 in the morning and leaves at noon. And that's how she's paying for her kids' education because someone here is investing. And then I have kids like Annexie. NXT. Anexi's parents brought her to our school because this girl's like, Mom, I want to go to the Rio Christian Academy. The only two other options in town are the public school which is a horrible situation. If I told you, you'd be amazed. Um, And then you have the Catholic high school that um, over there teaches, separates religion over here and everything else over here. And it's very confusing for a a lot of reasons. But she wanted to go to our school. But this family is like, no, we don't believe. We're not... not, um, evangelical christians we're not protestant you can't go there please please and she begged and they said okay fine they would bring her to our school they got tired because they had to travel quite a long distance her dad would get on a motorcycle and ride out to our school and drop her off every day they took her out put her back in the catholic school she hated it she said they brought her back again and she finished schooling with us and we thought okay and actually was a great student. Top in her class. The thing is, something was planted in her heart. One day when our, our car had broken down, I had to walk. And so I was walking on my way to school. And a taxi abruptly stops. And Anexi gets out and says, hey, directora, which means director or principal, whatever. That's how they call me over there. So, directora, I want to talk to you. Oh, hi, hi, annexi. And she had been out of school for about a year. She said, can you explain the gospel again to me? Can you explain that that you guys taught me over and over again? I just, I just have a need in my heart. And I, I, I believed what you guys said to me. Let's walk. We sat down at the library of our school, and I went through the gospel. And she says, that's what I believe. I want Jesus in my heart. Soon after, her, prayer, her mom had said, pack up your bags. If you want to follow that belief, you can leave our home. She packed up her bags to leave home. And her dad said, no, <laughs> you're not leaving. You're staying. But you can't go to church. And you can't do this or that until you're out of our home. So NXT writes me once in a while. NXT borrows books once in a while. But over in the privacy of her home, she's seeking after Jesus. And it was an opportunity we had because she got to go to the Rio Christian Academy. And it's so, it's, it's not, I'm not talking to you about numbers of kids that raised their hand at an event and said, I want Jesus in my heart. There are kids that I know have faith in Christ. Our right hand and left hand person, I guess, our admin staff, who is amazing, who are taking care of things while we're here, they came to Christ in our school, in one of our classrooms. God is doing a work in a way that he can do in Christian education in our countries that maybe people that would not step into a church building do want quality education for their kids. They have dreams for them to grow. And so they said, okay, I'll take my kid to this school. And they allow them to be there five hours a day to hear about Jesus. Five days a week, most of the year. And many of these kids go home and say, no, hey, we're going to eat. Hold on, we've got to pray first oh okay oh we're gonna go to bed wait my teacher said we need to talk to jesus first oh okay and these kids are taking what they learned in school back home and so as i look at all the kids here all the young people how many of these kids will go on to serve in different areas like that how can we encourage them to say lord I want to know how to do things for you. Maybe some of the kids in this, in this church will be business leaders who will use their skills and resources to impact the world for Christ. Because you don't just do it as a missionary, right? If you have a business, you get your business, and that is your pulpit. That's the place where you can share Christ. And then if you have resources, then say, how can I channel these to other places? Maybe some of these kids will be future pastors, teachers, missionaries, people of purpose. I think that's what we desire most for them. I loved how John said in Third John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So here's the part I don't usually like to do. They say, hey, would you pray? Would you ask the Lord if that your Christian Academy, which is through an organization called Compassion in Action, it's not Compassion International, they're doing great work. But this one is different. This is called Compassion in Action, is specifically focused on um, helping our school do what we're doing every day. And not just impact the 387 students we have in our school, we are reaching out to other Christian schools around us and finding ways to support them so that they can do their work even better. So it's not just 385, but hopefully thousands. We invite teachers from other Christian schools to conferences at our school and say, let me share what you can do. So we can't stand still. We've already received so much. We have so much prayer coverage. Imagine how, how Brent was down there and was seeking out and, and visited our school. It's so funny. I had never been to Ohio in my life. And now I feel like Ohio is kind of my other home. I like it here. But because people went down and said, oh, let me see what you're doing. You guys don't know us very well, and yet you've allowed us to take your morning time and share with you. That's so humbling and such a blessing because it means you guys care for more than just your own program right in their little bubble. You're thinking, how can we step out? So as you're here and as you talk to your kids and your family, I would ask you to pray. Should we sponsor a kid? What does that mean? That means you send, I want to say it's like $38, $37 a month to Compassion in Action. That goes to our general fund. We employ 40 people, and that way we can reach out to these kids and keep doing the work that we're doing. Or would you pray and say, Lord, should we support the Mendez family in their efforts? I want to tell you that this is one of the first times I've ever stood in a church and asked for support for our family. It's one of those things that if anybody here has been on the mission field, knows that it's really hard to do, to say, hey, would you help our family? But as we've learned throughout this last season, if we want to continue to do the work that we do, we need people to stand beside us so we can care for our family's needs as well. Um, as I see in the word how Nehemiah wanted to go out and do a work for his people, he went to the king and said, would you help me? And he asked. And as he asked, the king was able to help. And God even sent um, Elijah to that woman who had nothing else to eat and said, go, ask her. Because sometimes you think, how am I going to ask these people for anything? They're already doing so much. They're already serving in so many areas. I hear you have ministries for adoption. You have ministries for people in in, in Haiti. You have ministries for people. I saw your missionary board out there. You're doing so much. How can we ask for more? But the Lord sent this man to ask the woman that had just a little bit of oil and just a little bit of flour and said, give some to me. And then God blessed her and provided and so I believe that if the Lord leads you to invest in our ministry or in any other ministry that God leads you because it's him. It's, it, we ask God. He is the one that answers, right? I, I'm not asking you. I'm asking you to ask God. And so if the Lord would lead you to come beside us, that would be amazing because then we could partner up to do this ministry together. If the Lord would ha- have you partner with the school or if your church would like to set up a mission team. And get to know, see it what it's like, see the reality of it all. Get involved that way. We'd love to have you. Someone asked me the other day, someone that had been on a mission field said, do you really like teams? Oh, they're so, there's so much work. I said, actually, I do. I love teams because I get to show my staff who work so hard. I have teachers. They are making less than $200 a month. And even in a country like Nicaragua, that is not enough. But then when people like you come down and give them love and invest, I said, see, you may not have the best salary, but you got people behind you, people who care, people praying, people willing to come down and visit and share with our kids and give you new energies and give you um, a word of encouragement. So I think that God has opportunities in so many ways for you to come beside us. So if you would pray today... um, and ask the Lord or if you guys would put our card up somewhere in your home maybe this isn't the time to give financially but it is a, something you can do with your kids and pray for us the Lord's who does the work at the end of the day He is going to provide he's going to care for us so I um, covet your prayers um, for us for our kids for the ministry, for our staff um, we are facing a difficult time in Nicaragua Our country is in in major political turmoil, which in other years has meant a lot of violence. Um, So we just are praying for God's grace over that country as the Lord is doing work through so many people. So um, at the end of the day, I love that song. Whatever the Lord will do, it is well with my soul. He's in charge. Thank you for your time.